Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, Brunning, Bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slides a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at Pigskin Podnet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN, which we all tag as we go live. We've got football, wrestling, soccer, baseball, basketball. We have got it all for your sports consumption. It is Monday. Usually, we are already done with Wild Card Weekend, but we still have one more game to go. Gentlemen, we are going to be breaking down all those games, talking about the recent NFL news, as well as doing some quarterback profiles. Before we get into that, though, how are you guys doing on this magnificent Monday? Well, it's not so magnificent here, um, so I apologize ahead of time if I literally freeze. So it it potentially could happen. Both figuratively and literally. So overall, I'm doing good. You know, the Bengals look pretty good this weekend. Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you always want to be the IT director for an organization when they switch their website. Um, so it was a very uh, stressful work morning on Sunday and got home. And I thought, well, at least I can watch the Cowboys. And then they probably took a decade off my life. So. I feel like I've aged. We we all do every every single day. All right, uh, the big news that came out. Um, I feel like it was almost right after we got off the podcast Friday. David Cully out in Houston. Brian Flores seems to be the favorite for the job. A little bit surprising, you know. We. Um, I really, I really thought the team was playing well for David Coley. I, I was really kind of shocked that they just fired him and let him go. They said it was because of, you know, differences on the view for the future there. I honestly think it's because Brian Flores got fired and they want to bring him over to Miami. But, Matt, I mean, what does this mean for, for Deshaun Watson, who rumors are that's the reason Brian Flores is out in Miami? Yeah, and we were wondering about that when we talked about Flores because some people had reported it's because he wanted Watson, some because he didn't want him. Now it seems to have all shifted to more concretely that he really wanted Deshaun Watson, which probably means now Houston, after not finding a ton of a market um, for Watson, not a lot of people wanting to pay what he what they probably wanted given his off-the-field issues, may actually end up playing for them again after sitting out a year. But I, I think David Culley's a real victim in all this um you know there was a lot of reports that said people knew when he got hired that they were hiring him for one year so they could fire him to get somebody they really wanted i think that's that's pretty low if that was the intent and 
I would say in every way he outperformed. Look at what he got out of Davis Mills. Look at what he got out of this team that didn't have a lot of talent, but won four games and was darn competitive in several others. Yeah, it's it's a shame that uh, he he didn't seem to get a legitimate chance. Um, it looked like they brought him in as a stopgap, and they looked at it and said, you know, if we let him coach one more year, he could have a winning record. These guys are playing for him. You know, it was said that they wanted the, they wanted him to make changes on his offensive staff, and he said, no, my offensive staff, you know, by and large exceeded every expectation anybody had for this team. I, I'm not quite sure why, and so that seems like a convenient uh, excuse to, to let him go. It's a, uh, you know, it's telling for for Deshaun Watson, I think, that, you know, he heads into this offseason and he potentially got two coaches fired. You know, that's that's just crazy to think about. And, and I don't know if, if they want him back, if the Texans want him back, even if Flores comes in. Uh, I, I feel like Easterby and uh, Cesario or – whatever that other cat's name is. Casario. Uh, but, uh, it doesn't make sense, though, they'd lock in on Flores if they were intent on dumping Watson because it really did seem, and a lot of reports now have been that he's been in talks with Watson about places they could go together, which is why it seemed like he'd be becoming a favorite in Houston. Yeah. I don't know. I feel bad for Cully. And yeah. Especially since he doesn't seem to be – you know, it's been all weekend. Have you heard him link to any other job? No. And he likely won't be. Like, that's, I think, the worst part about it is I get it. When, when he got hired for the Texans job, there was a lot of talk about that, right? Like, he'd been wanting to get a head coaching job for a while. This likely looked to be his one shot, and that's why you take it, even though nobody expected the Texans to do anything. And then they went out there, and they pretty much competed in every single game. They won games they shouldn't have won. Like, there were people who were talking about this team going 0-16. And, and they go out there and win a couple games. And then for him to just get fired was just – it's ridiculous. It's a mockery in my opinion. But I think I do think a lot of it is because they want to bring Brian Flores in. They just – these teams can do whatever they want. It's It, it, it sucks, especially for a guy like that because I agree. I think this team was really playing hard for him and trying to do everything they could to win games. And I think that just shows how good of a coach he is. We also see that Mike Mayock has been fired. Um might want to save. Oh, sorry. Uh, he was fired uh, as well. We can we can talk about Rich uh, Basaccia when we get to the, the the Raiders game here as well. But what does this mean for? Yeah, uh, well, let's just talk about it now. I think that means he's probably gone to. I don't know that whatever general manager they bring is going to want to keep him. Uh, I think this is probably the same thing we saw uh, with the Giants um, and who else has done it? I guess and and the Bears who completely cleaned house and it's just gonna and be the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings, new regime everywhere. I mean, I honestly think this is a smart move. I don't know that Mike Mayock has made like a good draft pick since he's been there. So uh, I'm very interested to see what the Raiders do because I think they've got a good infrastructure in place. Well, I think he's made some good draft picks. Let me get back to my sheet here. Marcus Mosher of uh, Lockdown Cowboys had put together some stuff. 
you know, Max Crosby in the fourth round, Foster Moreau seems to be coming on fourth round. Maybe I guess that's a little early. Hunter Renfro in the fifth round. But by and large, you know, Jacobs wasn't a bad pick. He was a bad pick for the first round. Leatherwood wasn't a bad pick. He was a bad pick that high. It's And whether that was Mayock or whether that was Gruden, you know, ultimately now I guess it doesn't matter. I would be, you know, Mayock was held up as a draft guru. He was all over media, NFL network talking about draft. So I'm curious to see if he decides to go back to the media or if he's like, look, I need to get the stain of John Gruden off me and go show people somewhere that I know what I'm talking about and and maybe not have a coach that's quite so heavy-handed. I'm not shocked that Mayock is gone. I don't know if that necessarily means Basachi is gone. It's probably not a great sign. He did interview for the full-time job today. They are going to look at other candidates. There's been a lot of talk that um, despite – you know, star hunting last time and having that blow up in his face. Mark Davis wants to go star hunting again. Um, you know, they've talked about him being hot on the trail of trying to get Jim Harbaugh, uh, which seems like everybody's hot on that trail, which is fascinating to me. Uh, but we'll see where that ends up. I think, you know, Mayock was too closely tied to Gruden, seemed to be kind of a little bit of a hand-picked choice. And while you have a point that, you know, a pick like Max Crosby in the fourth was good, Hunter Renfro ends up being a fifth-round pick that's really uh, paid dividends. They were able to make something out of taking a chance on Darren Waller. But you look at some of the unmitigated disasters they've had when they moved Amari Cooper and um, Khalil Mack. And, you know, like that, the number four overall pick that went before Josh Jacobs was Cleland Farrell, who we don't really see doing a lot. They used another first-round pick on Jonathan Abram, who looked like he maybe had some promise but never really developed into anything. Obviously, the first-round pick in 2020 was the first receiver off the board was Henry Ruggs. That blew up in their face. Damon Arnett blew up in their face. Another of the rookie picks this year got popped for a DUI. Those are some pretty high-profile, not just busts, but some catastrophic failures. And I think that's where I thought Basaccia, what he did inheriting that situation and having to overcome all those shit show items was really impressive. But to me, that has nothing to do with keeping Mayock. Well, Rappaport also reported that uh, the Raiders have requested to speak with Jared Mayo of the the, uh, Patriots for about their head coach spot. And I don't think you're – I don't know if it's not that you're not allowed or if it's bad form, but but I don't know that you're uh, necessarily allowed to have a coach on staff and then ask to talk to other coaches. Right. Yeah, I don't uh, – I can't blame him, I guess, for Arnett and the Ruggs. I don't know that Ruggs was a great pick at the time regardless, but with what happened, you can't foresee that. It's not something that he just busted on the field, right? Because let's be honest, he was looking better earlier in this year before the off-field stuff happened. Arnett, I mean, there I mean, were rumors that he three, wasn't the greatest their, player at Ohio top State. Top three weapon picks so, there were Rose yeah. Edwards, who's done nothing, and um, the dude that got traded to Miami. Um, Lynn Bowden. Yeah, Lynn yeah, Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, so it's not. No, I agree with you. He, Ruggs was a high profile bomb, but every yeah. time you saw Zay Jones making a clutch play while 
Ryan Edwards is over there picking his picking his wedgie out was also a knock on. No, um, yeah, I I don't think he was successful really at all. I'm just saying, like, I can't knock him for our net and rugs because that was off field stuff that you can't predict. That that's kind of the the human side of it. And I don't know that either one of them showed anything. Like from every all the accounts you see from Alabama, Henry Ruggs was like an upstanding citizen. So you don't expect what happened. That's what sucks. So like I can't blame him for that. Arnett, I've heard things, so I don't know. That one might have been just a whole who knows. But anyways, yeah, it, it, it's um it's gonna be interesting because like I said, I do think they've got a very um good core there on the offense and their defense well, is mean, not bad. So it'll be interesting to see what they. He do. also went to go get Antonio Brown and that blew up in his face. Wow. Well, yeah. In Arnett's defense, it's rough on these here Columbus streets. I, I, I am sure it is. Speaking of being a, whoops, wrong thing. God, I'm really having a bad, bad day today. Hey, well, you, look you want to win some, if you, if you want to win some money, Dennis, uh, with, uh, what is this divisional round? What is this wild card round? No, no, after the wild card round, you can't win it. Well, you can win money tonight, but that's if what, you're listening, that's to this, what after this is tonight, about. Okay, go ahead. I'm just gonna be quiet. <laughs> the NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl Fifty Six, new customers can get. 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, I nailed it. That was the best one I've ever done. It's 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 because I, I sacrificed myself and just completely butchering everything leading up to that to to allow you to just do that absolutely perfectly, Dennis. All right, let's talk about some of the wild card games. Uh, realistically, what I love about only, you, Matt, you're a team player. You know, it's it's one of my my strengths, but also one of my faults. I, I am a team player to a fault. There were only two really good games this weekend, and Matt, we said that it was going to be the two that we talked about on Friday, and one of those was the Bengals Raiders. They went 26-19. Matt, what were your thoughts on the Aaron Whistle? I mean, honestly, it's all anybody has been talking about. Uh, what 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 was your thoughts though on that? What do you think about Rick Rich Basaccia? Did he do enough to keep his job? Yeah, you know, I think Basaccia should get a fair shot. I don't know if he's going to. I've been very impressed with the way he was able to help hold that team together and especially getting the last four weeks getting wins despite all the things that's kind of going on on outside of the game and, and with all the injuries. I thought what he's been able to overcome and help them overcome has been very impressive. 
The whistle, it's probably a bad look. I'm going to be honest. I thought this was a pretty horrendous weekend in general for the NFL. They obviously weren't uh, incredibly pleased with that Cincinnati Bengals, Las Vegas Raiders crew um, because it took them 0.3 seconds to announce that no one from that crew is going to work a playoff game the rest of the playoffs. Never a great sign. I don't think that whistle call was the only uh, dubious um, officiating move. I was very moved. I can't remember. I think it was um, an NBC game. Whoever their uh, NFL official was hot. It might be Terry McCauley was incredibly hot. By the way, my God, we got some hideous announcing tandems this weekend. Um, I love Drew Brees. He was an incredible player. He told us several times that a quarterback was important to a playoff game that not turning the ball over was important to winning a playoff game. I don't know how he practiced and prepared, but these were not things I needed to hear as I was trying to to focus on this. But I think it was Terry McCauley is the one that they have. He was incredibly angry that they didn't stop and reset the down. I don't know if I think where that whistle came up would have made that big of a difference because it sure as hell looked like Boyd was open, but it also did look like some of the defenders had stopped going and you can't really know i mean i i i have my two primary thoughts are one it didn't affect the play i don't think that it it the player stopped i feel like where where the ball was when the whistle blew was out of reach of any player besides Boyd, so it was not going to affect the play and two the rule states that an inadvertent whistle means you play the down over so while it, it it didn't blow, it didn't affect the play. The rule states you, you you replay it. So unfortunately, they should have replayed it, even though it didn't affect anything. I mean, Boyd was open. Burrow hit him. I when I heard it, I was like, was he out of bounds? He didn't look out of bounds. And then they showed the replay, and he was far from being out of bounds. Yeah, so I, I honestly don't – and maybe it's uh, – like I was in the middle of doing multiple things. I don't remember hearing the whistle. The one thing I will say is, though, if you go back and watch the replay, like I think it's Jamar Chase and the defender covering him have like completely stopped before Boyd catches the touchdown. And they're like talking. And when Boyd catches it, he doesn't celebrate yeah. at all. And I'm wondering if it's because he heard the whistle too – yeah, well, they so all, he, they uh, all seem to hear the whistle yeah. in the end zone. It might have been the end zone ref that blew it because of where yeah. it was. And so, I, like, when you watch it, it, it like, he doesn't celebrate because I think exactly that. Like, he heard some, whether it was a referee, whether it was a fan, whatever. Like, he clearly heard something because he doesn't celebrate. He catches it and acts like, okay, well, this is getting called back. So, it sucks because I think the Bengals win that game regardless, but now like that's stained on that win. And that, that part of it definitely kind of sucks because I do think that takes a, a little bit away from it. And then as you mentioned at the NFL coming out pretty much right away saying like, yeah, they're not doing another game. I feel like it's them admitting, but not admitting that it was the referee's fault kind of thing. So that, that whole thing kind of just sucks for it. It takes away from what I thought was a really good game and, and a big win for the Bengals. I mean, was that their first playoff win in thirty years 30, or something like that? Right, thirty-one years. years. So it, to for it to get kind of like tainted or taken away because of of that, I think just kind of sucks. But I'm I'm happy for the Bengals and that they're moving on. 
Uh, Dennis, I mean, we just mentioned it. First win in 34, 31 years. Golly. How will they fare moving forward? I think they're in good shape. I mean, the, the defense does have some holes, but they play hard. Um, they got some playmakers. And by holes, I mean, they can give up some big plays. Uh, but you've got one of the most powerful uh, skill set of skill position players, most explosive set of skill position players in the NFL. I, I know that if you played T Higgins in any of your, uh, uh, you know, cash lineups or whatnot, you're probably pretty frustrated. Hell, even with Joe Mixon only rushing for 48 yards, but they, they have a team that can put up some points. They play hard and their offensive line while still needing a piece or two uh, is playing pretty much as well as you could ask, given the, talent level at a couple of those spots. Yeah, you know, Jamar Chase and has been big all year, and we've seen also that Tyler Boyd often is the forgotten guy that makes these clutch plays, and that kind of came up there. I was surprised we didn't get a little bit more from Mixon, but things break pretty decently for the Bengals now because they get to go to the Titans. They get to avoid both the red hot bills and the red hot Kansas city chiefs, both of whom scored 40 plus points and absolutely blitzkrieged their opponent opponents this weekend, Tennessee, you know, the, maybe they get Derrick Henry back. That's going to be a little bit of a stouter test. I didn't think the Bengals front was incredibly great against Josh Jacobs. The Raiders were uh, incredibly gracious by not uh, deciding not to run with Josh Jacobs um, very much after it was, Oh, eight carries for 60 yards. We better not put him back in. Um, I don't think the Titans will do the same, but we've seen this Bengals offense. If it gets hot, they can keep up with, anyone and the titans don't have a spectacular defense so i i think it's breaking fairly nicely for them to have a decent shot to be in the championship game yeah i, I picked them to go to the championship game a couple of my playoff uh playoff leagues that i'm in i i have them going and losing uh to i think it's to the chiefs i think is how i predicted it out so uh I definitely think that they they could go that far. Um, it wasn't a great game that they played against the the Raiders, but I think they can definitely play better. The Bills absolutely destroy the Patriots Saturday night, Dennis. What do the Patriots need to do moving forward? I, the Patriots kind of remind me of Ohio State this year. They're just a year ahead of schedule. They're playing well. Mac Jones, Mac Jones is who Mac Jones is. He's not a mobile rushing quarterback, but he's a, a heady, smart quarterback. He's got a good arm. You give him protection, give him some weapons. And they they have the worst wide receiver core in the playoffs. I mean, Kendrick Bourne is their star wide receiver. Not just and, in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they they need they need a stud wide receiver. They need their to keep building their offensive line, their defense. I almost wonder if it's not time for Bill to kick upstairs and turn the reins over to McDaniel. Um, you know, they're going to lose Jared Mayo by all accounts. It looks like he's, he's got enough interest. It seems like somebody's going to give him a shot this, this off season, but if not, it, it might be the time for Bill to kick upstairs and let Josh McDaniel take over the day to day, but they've got a great, set of running backs they've got a good offensive line two really good tight ends even though they only use one of them 
they just really on offense they need wide receivers. Uh, let them, you know, they still got plenty of cap room. Let's get a uh, a stud wide receiver in there to go along with the the twos and threes that they have populated there now. And and I think they're set up to make a run. They've got some pieces on defense. Uh, but like I said, they're just a year ahead of schedule, I think. Yeah, you know, I would say the first surpri- most surprising thing for me about that game was the complete lack of heart on defense, which is something you never see from a Bill Belichick team. They've been outgunned before, but I mean, it was seven possessions, seven touchdowns, and it, a lot of them weren't even close. They were just getting absolutely pancaked and then you know so if that happens to their defense which is their strength the offense as it's currently constructed they were not a we're coming from behind kind of team i think mac jones another year of developing will be great i don't know you know they splashed out on some signings on offense johnny smith was not even a presence in that game they gave him a pretty huge contract we thought there was potential there even hunter henry they barely used you're right aglor and jacoby myers and Nikhil harry are not cutting it i think kendrick Bourne would be great if he was your braxton barrios but you need that you know elijah mitchell Corey davis you need those receivers you need that stefan Diggs. you need some kind of weapon to threaten down the field because they they simply didn't have it and then buffalo seemed incredibly motivated. I mean, that first interception of Jones, I don't feel like was his fault. They they took a shot, sure, but that was an incredible defensive play. But then as you're having to press and do more, I liked what they had gotten out of Damian Harris during the year, but they couldn't establish the run. And, you know, after running for 222 yards in that first game against the Bills, they couldn't get anything really going on the ground, and they just don't have the horses. If you get them down 15 points, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, they need a alpha wide receiver in the biggest way. Um, I I think that would change a lot of things. And they've got a lot of like wide receiver threes and slot wide receivers. They they need that guy that Mac Jones can go to in a big moment. I also just think Buffalo's a better team at the moment. I, I don't know that one thing is going to fix uh, fix what the Patriots need. Uh, it's just it's Josh Allen's world, and we are definitely living in it. Matt, it was a big win for the Bills, but can they keep it up in probably what's at least right now the matchup of the entire playoffs with Buffalo going back up against Kansas City? No team's been more Jekyll and Hyde this year to me than the Buffalo Bills. When they're on, they look like the team that many of us, including myself, thought could be in the Super Bowl. And we have seen them earlier in this season when they were on go into Kansas City, put up big points and win that game. So they can do it again. But it's, you know, Josh Allen needs to play similar to how he played last night and had played at some points down the stretch where he was being careful not turning the ball over and where they, you know, hopefully the the one thing I think that they're even better than the first time they played Kansas City is they've gotten a little bit of a running power going with Devin Singletary. I think he's been the X factor that helps keep that going. Their defense played out of its mind on Saturday night, too, and they're really going to need that against Mahomes. Yeah, I, it's, I'm not sure if they can keep that same intensity. You, you want to think they can, but the Patriots are hated rivals. I mean, it's it's a division matchup, and when you're playing a division rival, uh, 
in the playoffs. You know, it almost the way Buffalo fans have acted over these couple wins kind of remind me of Michigan fans after beating Ohio State for the second time in 20 years this this year. It, it I, I get Buffalo's good. They they're better than New England this week. Going into Kansas City, their defense is going to have to to make plays. Both defenses uh, are are they need to have some big plays, create a turnover, uh, because both offenses are powerful. Uh, I I give the edge slightly to Mahomes over uh, Allen, but it's not it's not much much more than a coin flip. I mean, it's two great offenses going against two really good defenses, and it's going to come down to who can make a play at a critical time. Yeah, I mean, I I hope we get the Allen that we saw Saturday night because this was primed to be a really good matchup last year, and that that was really kind of a letdown. Um, I do think, obviously, Devin Singletary playing much better this time around than he did last time. They're really relying on him, and he's doing a good job. Could change things at least a little bit for the Buffalo offense. The early Sunday game uh, did not go it all the way. I thought it was going to go. The Buccaneers just smashed Eagles 31-17. to That final score is not indicative of how bad that game was at all. Uh, Dennis, how do we feel about Jalen Hurts moving forward? I think Hurts is the quarterback, at least for next year. Uh, they're going to need to look for some growth out of him. You know, he's, I don't want to say he's a running back playing quarterback, but the running game has, has been his bailout this year. Part of that is the wide receivers outside of Devonta Smith have been pretty lousy. I mean, Greg Ward has probably been their second best wide receiver. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is not happening. It seems like Jalen Rager isn't making that jump. Uh, Quez Watkins, I guess, looks pretty good sometimes, but he's kind of a deep threat. So they do need some work. We'll see if a second tight end steps up. Uh, and, and if they continue to use two tight ends historically like uh, the Eagles have. Uh, but I think Hertz is the starter going forward. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think they're, you know, uh, dipping into a uh, starter quality quarterback going forward at least in this draft or even in free agency they're going to be looking probably for somebody that fits the offensive scheme a little closer to what Hertz does than Gardner Minshew you know it's interesting you've been kind of on the uh Jalen Hurts isn't the starter train and Matt and I were oh, kind of definitely on. I mean I'm I, I have been. <laughs> well, we were kind of on the he is, and now after that game, you think he's the starter next year? I actually felt opposite, that that was bad enough before garbage time that I feel like there's a better than decent chance they bring in competition. Well, I, it isn't, that, one, it isn't <clears throat> that game that got me to that point. I just don't think that game pushed it back so far that I'm like, he, he's they're going to push him out. I. I feel like I don't know that he's a long-term starter. I think he's great for fantasy. I don't think he's a long-term starter. I think he's the starter next year. I just, you know, we had mentioned on Friday, or Matt had mentioned on Friday, that they had not beaten any winning teams or any playoff teams during the regular season. They didn't look like they belonged on the field Sunday, and Jalen Hurts looked like he didn't belong in that game. 
which gave me more pause than what I, I during some of the middle of the season, I was, I, I thought he was better than what I thought he was going to be. But yesterday really made me think twice about that. I, I mean, wonder. It's great. It made a add, lot of Philly. Add a couple more. Twice. It's great to add a couple more teams to the playoff pool, but you know, there's a reason teams don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Matt, I asked the question on Friday. If you went out there and had a game like he had, does that change the future for him? And I think it might. I've been with Matt. I've been on the opposite side of this the whole season, talking about, hey, he just played his, like, altogether 16 games this year. Like, he hit his 16-game mark this, this year. That was bad. That was a very bad performance. And while I do agree with Dennis, and I think he should be given a little bit more time We've seen more often than not in the NFL, it's what have you done for me lately? And the last piece of, of film that they're going to see of Jalen Hurts was that atrocity Sunday morning. So, so wait, let me get this straight. A quarterback with questionable long-term future goes out and has a really bad game against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that's going to be the last thing everybody remembers. I mean, we'd seen him play will, for sure, yeah. better earlier in the season. You know, well, they hadn't beaten some of these winning teams. Even his first game against the Buccaneers, he was a lot better than he was when it mattered. That, that's, so I, on the, that's on the coaches, though. That's the yeah. Buccaneers coaches mm-hmm. saying, hey, we, we can let, – let's go ahead. That's Todd Bowles saying, hey, I think I figured this dude out a little bit. Now it's on Sirianni to make an adjustment back going forward so i don't know that they will yeah i I don't know that they will move on from him i just don't coming into this game i was more on the i don't see them doing it at all i'm not quite there anymore like if the draft falls a certain way maybe there is a free agent quarterback out there i would not be surprised if they bring somebody in to compete with jalen hurts and then it will be just jalen hurts keep the job but I, i do think that that is a question that is going to be asked a lot to this offseason about the Eagles. Matt, the Bucks get a solid win, but how do you feel about their backfield? It'll be nice that they're getting Fournette back um, next week, but I actually thought uh, Keyshawn Vaughn has looked good when they've given him some chance. You know, he's he's been solid out there, and Giovanni Bernard coming back off of IR. Their backfield wasn't incredible, but I thought they did enough to support Brady and to really help the offense, which is a little bit lower on weapons. Yeah. I, I'm torn on Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, he's the only one currently under contract for next year. Um, I feel like they bring Lenny back. I, I don't know that they bring Gio. And there's some concern that Tom is going to go push to get James White, who's going to be a free agent. But I feel like Vaughn is sort of in he's done the when given the opportunity, well, yes, he's made a, a mistake or two here and there. He's by and large stepped up and delivered when when needed. And so I'd I'd like to see him get a, a legitimate opportunity. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of people who really liked Keyshawn Vaughn coming out. And I don't know that anybody was pumping him up as like an a RB one, but said that he could be very serviceable as an RB two. And I think we're finally seeing it now that he's getting a shot. So maybe all those people, you know, a Garrett price of the world uh, who were kind of 
let's just be honest, like kind of pooped on the past couple of years because Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't what we thought he was going to be. Maybe that was more because the coaching staff wasn't giving him a shot, and now that they actually are, we're seeing him really play very well at the running back position. 49ers and the Cowboys. Man, that was a very good game with uh, some very interesting things that happened in this one as well. Matt, uh, Dennis, I'm sorry, what chance do the 49ers have heading now to Green Bay? I think they've got as good a chance as anybody going to Green Bay. Um, you know, the, the weather could definitely be an impact, but they're a running team. They don't rely on uh, the passing game to, to get them where they need to be. So if they're, you know, if, if if their offensive line holds up against Green Bay, uh, they take some shots. I don't think Jimmy's going to be trying to chuck the ball downfield, you know, 30, 40 yards very often. They've got a great tight end, one of the best tight ends in the game. And uh, Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel, uh, they do good stuff out of the backfield. Mitchell has been carrying the load. He had 27 carries. Uh the last few weeks, he's six, seven, eight weeks. He's been the guy uh, without question back there. Debo's been the change of pace. And that the way that uh, Shanahan will structure that offense a lot of times, Jimmy's not throwing the ball very far. They're using Debo. They're using Ayuk and, and Kittle all close to the line of scrimmage. And uh, it kind of goes back to the West Coast philosophy that a, a five-yard pass is every bit as good as a five-yard run. Yeah, and they'll have a lot of those since uh, Jimmy G also slightly separated his shoulder yesterday, so now he's got a bum thumb, which I was feeling his pain because I never do chores while you're watching a game such as this that makes you angry. I may have put my thumb straight into the dryer trying to move clothes from the washer to the dryer while looking at the TV. I was like, did I break my thumb? Uh, this is not great. But, uh, you know, they have weapons on offense. I think the big key is what we saw them do on defense, which is where they were getting constant pressure, caving in Dallas's line, keeping Dak from being able to be settled and keeping the running backs from being able to do anything. If they can do that against Green Bay, that'll give them a lot better chance because Rodgers, you know, they've had Rodgers' number at times the last few years, um, you know, and it's because of that defensive front. mute leave whatever yeah i am very intrigued to watch this game uh i think the 49ers i mean we don't know if bosa will be back uh we don't know what's going on with fred warner he had the ankle injury as well that could be huge for this matchup i still think green bay is the best team in the nfc but i do think they've got a better shot i saw a lot of people saying that san francisco stands no chance because of jimmy g I agree with you. It's more that defense that I think could keep them in this game. It could end up being a very good game. I'm looking forward to that one this weekend. Matt, unfortunately, your Cowboys lose ugly. And everybody is talking about the last play. Your thoughts on that? We'll, we'll save the possible changes for a minute. Let's just talk about the incredible last drive there by the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was probably a microcosm of the day for a team that had both uh, coordinators in Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn coming in as the hottest coaching candidates. Um, much how I felt about Jalen Hurts' last piece of film that people are going to see, that's how I felt about the last piece of film that those coaches were providing, um, which at times looked like a shit show orchestrated by somebody who's never met a clock situation he couldn't fuck up. Um 
that last play, I don't think the draw was a terrible play. I do not think the officials were very coordinated for a situation where they knew there was going to be some kind of hurry up. I guarantee if that clock situation had happened to the Buccaneers or the Packers, they would have put one second back on the clock. Um, So the unfortunate thing is probably that instead of focusing on the 49ers good game or all the myriad of things that Dallas did poorly, a lot of what we remember about this game, much like the game against the Packers and Des Bryant's reception, is the way the officials played the game and not the rest of what happened. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, on one hand, the referees need to know the rules better than everybody else, and they need to put themselves in position to see the plays to make the calls, and they kind of didn't do a very good job there. Now, on the other hand, Dak probably should have pulled up about five yards sooner. Was the play the right play? I don't know. It it was wor- it it theoretically it worked. It got him a nice chunk of yardage. And while a 25-yard pass isn't a lot higher percentage than a 45-yard pass, it is a higher percentage pass. And so it the philosophy kind of makes a little bit of sense there, but it was just it's kind of one of those screwy par for the course. Mike McCarthy, you know, he he came out and said that Kellen Moore called the play and he was on board with it. They probably executed it uh, poorly it, when you get right down to it. They executed everything poorly. Fourteen penalties. So it's uh you know they, they Dallas has some some opportunities. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll send you a tinfoil hat so you can wear it when we're talking about Tampa and Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger issue was the penalties, not necessarily the last play. The last play is all anybody's talking about because of just how bad it went. I actually don't think it was a bad call. I think the issue was the execution after the fact. Dak probably should have slid sooner. And they did not, he tried to give the ball to the center, knowing that the referee has to touch the ball before every play. Give it to the referee and allow him to come up there. Like if they would have just cleared room, allowed him to go in the set really quick, even if you spike it and it's a whatever, a uh, not a delay of game, but like a false start or whatever. So you back it at five yards, like you're not hurting yourself that much. The chances of them completing a Hail Mary from around that way, anyways, I still think maybe, I know the, uh, the 49ers were playing the the boundaries, but could you possibly have like run some kind of like quick sideline route or something to get a little bit of yards just to get a better chance of going out of bounds? Like there probably was some other plays that were better, but at the end of the day, like that play worked. Like Dak ate up a lot of yards because they weren't expecting it. I think it was more just the execution after the fact of allowing the referee to get to the line of scrimmage, giving him the ball instead of putting the ball in your offensive lineman's hand and on the ground again. You, you've got to know, you've played football your entire life, that the referee has to touch the ball before you can do anything. So I don't necessarily agree with what you said, Matt. But where but where was the referee? Right. Where well, he was, was the all the way back there. 
Yeah, drag your ass up and be. Oh, I mean, dude, that dude was running. All right, you can't say then that. Someone dude was on the crew needs to rotate because you can't have with a running clock them having to wait fucking six seconds for the guy to get his ass. But in that's here. something that you know is going to happen, though. So that's the one thing I'll say. I mean, I'm just going to equate it to this because it's the, the refs way to put that it. That was going to happen too. So, well, they didn't know that play was going to happen. They 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 knew, they knew they a play to was going to happen. The stick. You know, on any time you run a play, you hear it college, college uh, broadcast, NFL broadcast. You always want to do something knowing that there's a chance you're going to lose five to six seconds on the runoff, which is why I say Dak should have slid earlier. You're, there's no, you cannot account. It, it's we're talking about human beings here. You cannot assume an, a human being is going to be able to do something in a second. That referee doesn't know where the play is going to end. He can't just run behind Dak like we saw that in a. Um, dang it! What was that? Was that a high school play? A college play? Can't remember. Where a a player got leveled by the referee because he's following the ball and moving, and the and the quarterback ran right into him. Like the referee can't just run right behind Dak. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna follow Dak, and as soon as he's down, like you have to equate for la- allowing. They talk about it on every broadcast. Five to six seconds is going to run off on every single play. In between that, they did not do a good job of that. Whether it's Dak should have slid sooner whatever that was on them. In my opinion, you cannot blame the referee for that at that point. Like if you're sliding and there's five seconds left on the clock, you know, the chances of you getting the ball off are minimal, minimal. There there was more than five seconds when he slid. There was eight, but I agree again. They didn't help. The 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 referees frequently in those situations rotate. You're telling me there's only one person that can spot the ball. I've seen them do things differently. That crew was out of position. I mean, they may have been, Period. but again, you, uh, you, I'm not putting it on them. I think it was, I mean, multiple they're not times. the sole reason that Dallas lost the game, but they marred the end of the football game. That the referees true. left a huge thumbprint on this entire weekend of football, and that's what's irritating. The Chiefs beat the Steelers, 42 to 21. Matt, is it really the end for Big Ben? And if it is, what did the Steelers do now? I mean, I think it is. He's he's certainly talking like it's time to go, and he's certainly playing like somebody who's probably knows that it's the end. I don't know what the – you know, the only downside of them making the playoffs, as I know some Steelers fans noted, is they kind of moved even further back in a draft that's not incredibly QB rich. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get a – veteran it doesn't seem like they have any real viable options in their stable of people that they've tried out the last couple of years so that's probably going to be a little bit tough i like some of the pieces they have on offense and deontay johnson the love claypool friar Muth. we know Najee harris is going to be there we don't know about juju he certainly wants to come back but it's going to be about trying to find uh, a quarterback that they can they can play with. And I think, if anything, we've seen with this defense and with the way they play, he doesn't have to be spectacular. Yeah, I you know, I hope Ben hangs it up. I mean, he's it's certainly time. I I felt kind of bad because it looked like they were going to uh, pull him from the game there during that last drive. Let him let let even the Kansas City fans sort of pay their respects on a you know a, a, on his career, but then they start moving the ball and it was like, well, 
what the hell? Why not? I still feel like they probably should have, but why not let him? Who knows? Maybe maybe his last play of his career is a touchdown, a meaningless touchdown in the playoffs. But I don't know. It was. I, I think it's time to go. I think physically he's his arm is shot. Uh, I think he did some good things. You know, he's got some off-field stuff that's going to follow him around forever. And that's uh, unfortunately, you know, gentlemen, you got to behave when you're out out there, even when you get a few beers in you. Yeah. Uh, just speaking on field, I, I agree. He's just doesn't look like the same quarterback. He he didn't really for parts of last year. It definitely doesn't this year. Um, I, I do think it's time for him to go Mo- mostly too, because I do like the fact that he's only played for the Steelers. I'd hate to see him go to another team and try and, and pull a, a Phillip rivers. Like it, it, it's time you've had a, a great career. You're going to be in the hall of fame because of what you've done on the field. So I think it's time to, to just hang it up as for the future. I mean, they, I mean, they came out and said that they they are not going to bring in a free agent. If they if they go for a quarterback, it'll be in the draft. So, and I, I think realistically, a quarterback will fall to them in the first round. Yeah, so. ha- Haskins is a restricted free agent, so they they have the rights to to yeah. be able to keep him. Rudolph has <laughs> that's one everyone's dream. Yeah, Rudolph has one one year left uh, on his contract, and so you know they they are going to be in a position to draft. Uh, a quarterback in the first round with their defense, with their skill position players, probably offensive line and quarterback are, are really what they need. Um, given the depth of this class, I don't know, maybe they could get one in the second round. That's not that much worse than what they're going to get where their pick is now. It's a good thing we're about to start quarterback profiles. Yeah. Well, I actually think one of the quarterbacks we're talking about today could fall to them, and I I would take him. Actually, two of them. And my my thing on that is like I agree. Like Pittsburgh clearly needs an offensive line, but you need to get your franchise quarterback first. And while none of these guys are Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I do think that this class is getting shit on a little bit more than it needs to be. Like there's some good quarterbacks uh, in this class. Uh, let's talk Chiefs really quick before we uh, jump into that though. Matt, are the Chiefs the best team in the AFC right now? I think so. Um, we'll see. I think whichever team wins this Kansas City-Buffalo game is probably going to be the best team in the AFC. You're talking about who can get hot at the right time. Chiefs started slow, went on a pretty ma- massive winning streak. Even in that game that they lost to the Bengals uh, in the penultimate week, they played pretty well on offense. And when Mahomes plays – like we saw last night, they're impossible to stop. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason why you, you can't say they are. I mean, they have an explosive team. Uh, who was it? See, Robinson, four for 70. Hardman, only four for 43. They got sure 142 felt- yards from Jarek McKinnon, though. So. Yeah, well, it sure felt like Hardman had a better game than that. I mean, it seemed like every time I looked up, Hardman was catching a ball. So maybe that's a testament as to how frequently I was looking up. Um, you know, they 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 have an explosive offense and they've got a defense that has some playmakers. Are is you know, it's not the steel curtain, it's it's not the 95 Bears. It's a defense that just makes some plays. Bolton, Gay, Chris Jones, you know. 
Frank Clark that makes some plays. They can give up yardage. They can give up. I, I feel like this Bills Chiefs game is one of these, you know, 45, 42 kind of games we got coming at us uh, where, and both teams score a lot of points, but yet people talk about the defense making plays. Yeah, I I don't know that they're the team to beat. I still think it's it's Buffalo. Uh, I know Kansas City has looked really good, but I think for the most part, Buffalo has been the more consistent team throughout the season. But that defense coming on strong here at the end of the season, again, I mean, Patrick Mahomes looked incredible. Granted, I, I don't know that Pittsburgh's quite – should have gotten the effing Chargers in here, but whatever. I, I don't know that Pittsburgh's really the team we want to – you know, evaluate the Kansas City team against, but they definitely looked good in that game. Dennis, we're about to talk a little bit about some quarterbacks. What is a good way for you to be a GM for your team? Evaluating these guys, maybe do some rookie mocks, trying to improve your team in the offseason. Well, you know, the Dynasty Nerds, the, the Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds is, is the tool that I use. You know, we're looking right now for my Dynasty teams, this quarterback class, you know, in your super flex leagues, you want to get quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. But by and large, people are poo-pooing this quarterback class. Well, you can take the Dynasty GM. You can go in. You can do some mock drafts with your actual uh, league setup. Import your league, wherever your draft picks are. See which quarterbacks are falling to you. Can you wait? Uh, if you've got, let's say, an early first and a later first, you know, what are the chances that you can get? Uh, one of the top three quarterbacks at the 107 maybe uh, because Burks and Spiller and Hall go off a little bit early. So get the Dynasty GM, the tool you need to get the job done. It integrates seamlessly with your MFL sleeper, Flea Flicker, and FFPC leagues. Use the league an analyzer to identify your team's strengths and weaknesses. Use the trade calculator to put together league-winning deals and the player shares tracker to keep track of your roster ship. Get exclusive rankings and more. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 15% off the monthly or annual subscriptions. Bundle the Dynasty GM with the Nerd Herd to save even more. Use code ROUNDTABLE. All right, so we are going to discuss some rookie profiles at the end of every one of these episodes. We'll do bigger discussions as we get through things like the Senior Bowl, the Combine, and get closer to the draft. We wanted to give you guys some of our thoughts on these guys heading to that time. I'm actually going to let Dennis go first uh, because I left my notebook over in my other room, so I have to go grab that. Uh, so, Dennis, give us your thoughts on Sam Howell, and I'll be right back. Well, you know, Howell, coming into this, to this year, Howell was, you know, vying for QB1 in this draft class. Now, if you were to take the 2020 draft 2021 draft class or the 2023 draft class, admittedly the quarterbacks, top end quarterbacks in that class are a little better than the ones here. But Sam Howell, he was a, a four star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, I think he was the the number three. Let me see where I, where's my notes at. Uh, he was the number three dual threat quarterback coming out of high school, uh, according to 24/7 Sports. His his college career started off good. He came in his his first year as a true freshman, started 13 games, threw for 3,600 yards uh, with 38 touchdowns and, and seven interceptions. It was statistically uh, 
by most accounts, his best season. His second year, he had a higher uh, completion percentage. But the 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions as a uh, true freshman were were uh, excellent numbers. Uh, sophomore year, he put up 30 and seven, 24 and nine as a junior. His sophomore year, he did complete 68% of his passes. So he is a fairly accurate quarterback. Uh, 63.8% uh, completion percentage in college. There was some some expected drop-off, I guess, this year. with He lost his top four weapons from the 2021 season in uh, De'Ami Brown, uh, Daz Newsome, uh, and the two stud running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, all have had varying levels of success uh, their rookie seasons uh, in the NFL. But Howell went on, he started 37 games. Uh, in his junior year, he actually put up over 800 yards rushing as well. Now, I was looking at the, his profile on Player Profiler, and it shows him as running like a 4-9 or a 5-flat 40. But coming out of high school, he was a dual-threat quarterback. So I suspect that, that uh, if he runs at the uh, combine, he's going to have a better time. The film I watched in the Dynasty Nerds film room, he did look a, a lot faster than a than a five flat uh, runner. So I like him. He's got a big arm. Uh, he set the school record for touchdown passes uh, with thirty eight, and the with thirty eight touchdown passes. He's got good deep ball accuracy and the strength to push the ball downfield. Uh, He's got good pocket presence. He can feel pressure, uh, step up in the pocket, and, and the mobility to extend plays and make accurate throws on the run. Uh, his mobility puts you, you know, he's not going to go out like, you know, Lamar or Jalen Hurts, uh, give you 90 yards consistently in the running game, but he's going to get you 30 or 40 yards, so that 300 to 500 yard. Uh, rushing game in the NFL is definitely something you want to take a look at. couple weaknesses. Uh, he believes in himself. Now, why is that a weakness? Well, because he thinks he can make a play and he holds onto the ball a little bit too long, uh, leading to sacks. Uh, uh, he does try to do too much sometimes. I, I feel like maybe that might might have been an issue uh, in, in 2021 a little bit where he, uh, after losing – you know, so much talent at the skill position. He was trying to do a little bit extra, kind of make make things happen where there there may not have been something. Uh, he needs to learn how to you know throw the ball away, take the next down. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's got first round talent. I think he'll go a little bit later in the first round. Uh, he'd look great in Pittsburgh. You know, they've they've got weapons. Uh, you know, Najee Harris, throw, you know, grab – and a great defense. So you throw Howell in a quarterback, grab an offensive lineman or two in rounds two, three, four, you know, beef up that O-line, see what they can do. I didn't look at what their cap space is, but that's certainly a, a, a good landing spot for him. And see, they have the 20th pick in the first round, and that feels like a, a really nice spot. I did look at some mock drafts earlier today, and – only one had him going in the first round, which uh, I thought, well, wow, maybe I'm overvaluing him or maybe everybody's so like 
this class sucks. No, nobody will mock many quarterbacks to the first round. So, yeah, I, he's one. Him and I'll, I'll just be honest. The quarterback that that uh, Matt's going to do, I think both have a shot to land in Pittsburgh. I would love to see Sam Howell there. I, I just. Uh, did a mock draft video actually for the campus to Canton channel. And there's a bunch of mocks that have him uh, going to Pitt. There's a couple that have him going to Pittsburgh that I was looking at. I just feel like that's the perfect spot. Like I think he could legitimately be the next big Ben. I don't know that he plays 18 years, but I could easily see him being there for like a decade and, and being their quarterback, if not longer. Like he's a very good quarterback. I agree with you. He does tend to rely on himself a little bit too much. It gets him into trouble. You know, you mentioned 2021, you know, not only did he lose his receivers, he lost his top two running backs and Javante and Michael Carter. And he lost, I believe it was four out of five of the offensive linemen as well. So like he lost his entire offense. And I think that did lead to some of the struggles you mentioned uh, here in the, in the 2021 season, but he is a really good quarterback. Um, Matt, you want to go next? Or you want to, you want me to go? I got my fancy little notebook. Yeah, so I'm good to go. Sure. I, I can go. So <clears throat> I got Kenny Pickett out of uh, Pitt, and obviously, um, as you said, he wouldn't be a bad fit going to Pittsburgh, especially since that's where he played uh, for college, you know, and you could see him uh, maybe slipping, but hard to tell. He was a four-year starter at Pitt, played uh, five years, so he's a fifth-year senior. And I think what really probably has attracted the most attention was the fact that he semi-exploded in 2021. Um his overall career completion percentage there in college was 62.4%, but he never had a year better than 61.6% before this last year when he jumped all the way up to 67% completions. That could be a product of him having time to mature in his game and mature in his ability as a quarterback. It always gives me a little bit of a red flag when you're looking at somebody and they have one year, the final year before they go into a draft that is demonstrably better than anything they've had before. And that was certainly him this year. Um, 2019 is semi-comparable in the number of attempts he had. He had 469 attempts that year, completed 61.6% of his passes, threw for just under 3,100 yards, 13 touchdowns. This last year, he threw 497 times and ended up with 4,300 yards, 42 touchdowns. He had a career 81 passing touchdowns, 42 of them, more than half, coming in this 2021 season. And again, could be a case of him kind of uh, evolving and growing up. When you read some of the scouting profiles, um, they seem to feel that it, it is a little bit of a result of him having time to mature and grow in the system. I think, Matt, you mentioned he got a much better receiving weapon there um, for, for his final year. Those kind of things always help. I don't think Pickett's ever going to be mistaken for being a power rusher. He rushed, rushed for 801 total yards in five years, 1.9 yards per carry. Um, but if you look at some of his highlights, he is capable of making the most of his athleticism, breaking off a couple of runs. Uh, I like some of the passes he made when I was watching highlights. Um, and I think that senior season is definitely going, their fifth year senior season is definitely going to stick with scouts. I would expect that he's probably going to go based on this class somewhere in the first round or the early second round. Yeah, I just I worry about Pickett. People trying to hope he's like the next Joe Burrow, and I don't know that that's necessarily what Pickett is. I, I'm not as high on him as others are. You know, you mentioned the receiver. Like 
his production uptick in a big way the past two seasons, and I wonder how much of that was Jordan Addison, because if you look at what Jordan Addison did for Pitt the past two seasons, he was an absolute mm. baller. So I, I'm curious to see what happens with Pickett. I, I don't think he's a horrible prospect, but he's like QB. What do I have him right now? I have him technically QB four. But yeah, as you mentioned, they a did lot comp of people, him. You are correct. Yeah. They comp him a lot to Burrow, and Burrow didn't start for as many years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he started his junior year in LSU, which was fairly unremarkable, and then really did explode. I mean, he jumped 15 points on his completion percentage, 3,000 yards, and 40 plus touchdowns. So he had an even more explosive, but we've also seen other quarterbacks like you and I mean, you and I were talking about like a Dwayne Haskins roll out and have a great year right before getting drafted and have that not transfer to the NFL. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm talking about a, a senior as well. And I do think he has benefited a little bit from being a senior and that's Desmond Ritter. He's a guy that I I've liked for the past couple of years by far had his best season this year, passing the ball 3,334 yards, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, did have a 64.9% completion percentage, 66 point last year, uh, finishes with a 62.1. I, Ritter has a lot to like about his game. He he is a very good athlete. He has a very good arm. I actually think he's got a very strong arm. The problem is he's just very, very inconsistent. Accuracy, when he is afforded time in the pocket, he is accurate, has a very strong base and good mechanics. He has good deep ball accuracy, but he does tend to miss, especially when the wide receiver is open, which you do not want to see. He tends to overthrow, which I do think maybe is a good thing. You you don't want those guys to underthrow, but he does tend to overthrow at time. Again, his poise when he's afforded time, he is very good against teams. He does seem to be able to diagnose. If you go back and watch that Georgia, I'm use the Georgia game first. Watch that Georgia bowl game last year in the Peach Bowl. That first half, he did a very good job diagnosing blitzes. But at times, it did feel like that the speed of that defense got to him. And when it did, he displayed a little bit of happy feet. We saw that a lot in the Alabama playoff game this year, if you watch that. I would challenge you, though. Dennis mentioned it. Dynasty Nerds, they have a film room. They have the Alabama tape for Desmond Ritter. It's like seven minutes long. Go in there and watch it, and I promise, if you actually go back and watch it again, because I promise if you watch it the first time, you were not impressed with Desmond Ritter. If you watch it again, I think you'll come away more impressed with Desmond Ritter than you did the first time. Four batted balls, 100% on him. He had six drops in that game by his wide receivers in crucial moments. I'm talking there was four of them in big third down plays where he hit his wide receiver in the hands for a first down plus they dropped the ball one in the end zone uh, one where he would have literally walked into the end zone had he caught the ball and another one down the sideline, a beautiful drop into the bucket by Desmond Ritter. He dropped it on a diving catch. Granted, it was not an easy catch, but he dropped it. Uh, his arm strength, as I mentioned, I think it's above average to good. Uh, he can put the balls on the money. He's got a lot of plays where he throws to the opposite sideline from the opposite hash NFL throw plenty of zip hits it to his wide receiver. Um, and he does have that decent deep ball strength as well. It's really just the inconsistency with him. He's got good mobility. Um, his mechanics are, are good. I don't think they're great when he's afforded time. And I guess you could argue that with any quarterback, right? When they're avoided, voided, when they are afforded time and they're able to drop back, they can kind of sync everything up and hit it. When Desmond Ritter is, is rushed, 
he does tend to kind of throw off his back foot and, and everything is inaccurate. He's okay on the move. Uh, Sometimes he shows really good accuracy and zip when he's running and, and throwing and making plays out of structure and off platform, but it's not always there. He gets a lot of comps to Ryan Tannehill, which is interesting. I don't know if that's a great comp for him because Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver before he was a quarterback, and Desmond Ritter's always been a quarterback. So I don't love that from his side of things. The one thing I'll say about Ritter in this class he actually has the second highest, I'm sorry, the third highest QBR ever. So I went through and did like a research back for 13 years uh, and just looked at like QBRs. If you had over an 85 and met like a 4,000 yard threshold, all those guys have been very successful in the NFL. The one guy that was not was Marcus Mariota. And I've always argued, I think if Marcus Mariota had come out now, he'd be much more successful in the NFL than when he did come out. I mean, dude had a literal 70% completion percentage in college, and he was a very good athlete. I think a lot of it was he just kind of came out in the wrong time for the NFL. In this class, though, Matt Corral was the only one who hit that threshold, having a QBR in one season over 85 and passing for all those yards. The next closest was Kenny Pickett, but his QBR was 80.2. Then it was Desmond Ritter at 80.1. Both Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter are actually the only other two with Matt Corral who have crossed the QBR threshold of above the regression line, which is 80%. And what I'm told, I'm not a big stats guy, but from my stats friends, I am told that QBR is the best predictive stat toward quarterback success in the NFL. So the fact that Desmond Ritter has hit that above the regression line, I do think is a big deal. He's got a lot of tools. I don't think he's drafted in the first round. He's likely a second-round draft pick. A lot of them have him going to Washington, which I don't think is a bad landing spot. They have the tools. I think they have a a decent enough team around him. They probably let Heineke start um, today or next year, and then Ritter kind of learn and then possibly take over that offense with the weapons and the, and the running back they have there. I do think Ritter can be a starter in the NFL, uh, but he is by far the perfect prospect, but he is, he's definitely intriguing with everything he can do. So that's my thoughts on Desmond Ritter. All right. So that'll do it for us today. Uh, we will be back again on Friday. We will probably talk a little bit about the Cardinals Rams game, but at that point it's going to be like four days removed. So probably we'll talk not about give the you winner guys, for sure. Yeah. We probably won't give you guys like a massive breakdown of the game, but we'll preview uh, the games for this weekend. Likely going to be a lot of very good matchups. We'll probably do a couple more rookie profiles for you guys as well. So until Friday, enjoy the game tonight. We will talk to you guys again soon. Happy birthday, birthday, man. Thank you. Prepare for glory!